invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 8. As we've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke, we've made it to chapter 8 today, verses 1 through 15. This is a familiar passage to most of us, I think, the parable of the sower, or some call it the parable of soils. And maybe that raises a question in some of your minds, what is a parable? Uh, Very, very quickly, parables are earthly stories that the Lord Jesus tells to teach truths about the kingdom of God. Uh, Perhaps even more short than that, some people say parables are uh, earthly stories meant to teach spiritual lessons. And we'll see that is the case here in the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 15. Before I read God's word, let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing this morning. Lord, we do not come to your word without first seeking your help. Come, Holy Spirit, today and be our teacher. And we ask that as the, as the word of the kingdom, as the word of the gospel and the word of God is sown this morning, as it is proclaimed and preached, we pray that you would give each of us receptive hearts. And we ask, O oh Lord, that there would be a, a bountiful harvest in our lives to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask it. Amen. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's word, starting in verse 1. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Cusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna. And many others who provided for them them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. 
The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. These have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience." Well, chapter 8 begins with a summary of the ministry of our Lord Jesus. He traveled through cities and villages proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and the word of God. And through that means, Jesus has, has gathered to himself quite a following we read here about the, the 12 disciples who are with him and, and women who have been healed and, and delivered from d- demonic forces. Luke mentions specifically uh, Mary and Joanna and Susanna as women who are following the Lord Jesus and, and serving him. I think, it would be, I think it would be very easy to pass over those three verses and say, okay, Luke, Summary of Jesus' ministry, got it, let's move on. But, but I think Luke is teaching us something here that is that's really important for us to stop and think about for a moment. How, how does Jesus advance his kingdom, dear friends? How is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ, his, his saving and kingly rule, extended in the world? I think the answer in these initial three verses is that the the kingdom of God comes by by the widespread proclamation of the word of God. And that's what Jesus is doing here in this passage. And the parable of the sower is a parable about the word of God and people's response to it. So Jesus is the sower who... And you you see the picture there. He's the sower who uh, indiscriminately takes the seed of God's word and and casts it out upon the crowds, preaching to all all who will hear and listen to the gospel of his kingdom. So as he's telling this parable, you can can picture this. It would have been familiar to his hearers at the time, a a farmer with with a satchel over his shoulder, and he's walking along the path, reaching into his bag, and he's casting out seed far and wide. That's how Jesus proclaimed the word of God. And Jesus is explaining, I think, how the kingdom of God comes. He he went about sowing the word of God in the hearts of of men and women. And and the reason I said this this is so important for us to understand because he's telling us how true spiritual life begins. He's telling us how the kingdom of God comes. He's he's telling us how the the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ advances today in this world. It comes and it advances through, through the widespread proclamation 
of the good news of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think it's fair to say that was Jesus's, if we can put it this way, model of ministry. Lots of talk today about models of ministry. But we see Jesus' model described repeatedly over and over again in the Gospels. And so a few examples in Matthew 4, 23. We read, Jesus went throughout all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Mark 1, 39, he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And in another place in Luke's gospel, verse, or chapter 9, verse 11, Jesus welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. And so in Matthew and Mark and in Luke, Jesus' model of ministry was the widespread proclamation of the word of God and acts of mercy. Jesus had a ministry of teaching and preaching, and he had a ministry of mercy. Again, that's, that's important because there are a lot of opinions out there today about how the kingdom of God will come, how the kingdom of God comes. Well, Luke is telling us. It, it comes through the teaching and the proclamation of the good news about Jesus Christ. It comes through the proclamation of the word of God. That should be exciting. It comes through the word that for many of you right now is sitting on your laps. It's teaching and proclamation and and sowing among men and women and boys and girls. And it comes when God opens blind eyes and deaf ears to hear and understand the good news about Christ. And so when we think about the models of ministry, something your elders should be very concerned about. Let's make sure we keep our eyes focused on what Jesus is doing. Our, our model of ministry as a church, let me, let me put it simply, our ministry is simply this. We exist in Johnstown to glorify God and to teach and proclaim the word of God. God has placed us here in Johnstown so that his word may be broadcast to men and women that they might hear the word of life, the word of salvation in Jesus Christ. I think it's something we need to always be reminded of. Jesus has not only given us the message. His word also gives us the model of ministry. His word also tells us, okay, here's the good news. And now here's how this good news is going to go forth. It's going to go forth through the widespread proclamation of God's word. And I think in these first three verses, Luke also wants us to understand that the kingdom of God is for more than just a special class of of men. It's for men and women and boys and girls. You see, Luke describes something here in these verses that would have been unheard of in Jesus' day. Women are following him as his disciple. And, and I'd, I'd love, I, I was tempted to preach a sermon just on these three verses, but if I keep doing that, we're going to be in Luke for five years. So let me, just, let me just say this. 
Jesus did not treat women as second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. He treated them with, with love and kindness and respect and dignity. He didn't say to them, well, discipleship and theology is, is for the men. He discipled them. He taught them the word of God. And, and these women that we read about, along with the, the prostitute in the last chapter, you remember her, they all were faithful and valuable servants in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Luke wants us to understand that. And he wants us to understand that the kingdom of God comes through the widespread proclamation of the word of God. And one of the evidences of the presence of his kingdom is works of mercy. And so that's what we should be about as a church, proclaiming the word of God, showing the love of Christ. It's the model Jesus himself followed. But that's not the main thing I want us to think about today. I actually have another question that I really want us to focus on today. And the question is this. How do you respond to the word of God? How do you listen to God's word? And, and what is your, your heart's response to that word? That's what this passage really wants us to, to wrestle with. It provokes that question in our own minds. In verses 5 through 8, <clears throat> Jesus tells the parable about the farmer who, who went out and sowed his seed. And as he's casting the seed, some, some fell upon the hardened path. And other seed fell uh, on rocky soil and still others fell among thorns. But some seed fell on good soil and it and it grew up and it yielded an abundant crop. You see, it, it's a parable about how people respond to God's word. It, it, it's a parable about our heart response, not just to the word of God, but more specifically to Jesus. And, and, he, and, and Jesus is the, the sower in this passage. He's, he's sowing the seed. How do you hear the word of God? And notice he says there are multiple ways to respond, but only one that receives it and produces fruit. And so today, with this question in mind, how do you respond to God's word? I want us to think about these four soils, which really represent four hearts. And the first heart that Jesus talks to us about in this parable, as he explains the parable, is a hardened heart. He says in verse 12, The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And so the first heart is, is represented by the hardened path that farmers and travelers would walk along. Some of you have hiked on uh, the Laurel Highlands Trail. It's a single track trail that runs from Seward to Ohio Piles. And if you've been on the trail, you know that at least portions of that trail have, have been so uh, trodden upon that the, that the ground is hard. In fact, I was on the trail once during a pouring down rain and the trail turned into a small river, but 
But the, but the path becomes hard from the constant foot traffic of, of hikers. That's the kind of soil Jesus is talking about here. <clears throat> and the seed as it's sown, the word of God, therefore it, it, it never penetrates the mind. It never, it never pierces the conscience. It never works its way into the heart of this hearer. And you see, it's an important thing. Jesus is stating a matter of fact. He, he's explaining why when, when, while many hear the word of God, while many hear the gospel, many reject it. Many reject the word of God. They, they reject the, the glorious good news about Jesus. They don't respond. Why? Jesus says, because their hearts are hard. And the problem, you see, is not the seed. The problem is the soil. The problem is the heart. The, the seed of the, the word of God doesn't get into the soil of their hearts. It never gets into their lives. And the sad reality of this is that this person may, may sit and listen to the word of God. This person may be in the pew, Lord's Day after Lord's Day, hearing the proclamation of the word of God, and yet they do not see the infinite value of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus is stating the sobering reality that some will hear his word, but they simply do not care to know more about Jesus Christ. These are the kind of hearts Jesus, I think, is alluding to in the middle of this passage when he quotes from Isaiah in verse 10. And there's a whole other sermon there that we, we, could, uh, we could focus on the purpose of parables, but we're focusing on the soils today. But there in verse 10, he talks about hearts that are blind to the truth. They, they hear and do not understand. But then he also says, as he's talking about this kind of soil, not only are their hearts hard, but they have someone working against them. <clears throat> he talks about the devil who seeks to remove anything they hear about Jesus. My friends, I wonder if you believe that. Do, do you believe that the evil one is active? This very moment, seeking to snatch away the word of God that is being sown? Do, do you believe that the, the very last thing he wants you to hear and to dwell on today is the word of God? Some of you I know are perhaps uh, here today and you're, you're thinking, um, when is this all going to be done? Or what's, what's that man going on about? Uh, he needs to make sure he's done by 12 o'clock because I've got more important things to do. I've got things to get back to. I can check this off the list. My friends, if, if, if those thoughts cross your mind, I, I, I want to say to you today, you are precisely where the devil wants you to be. Some of you have read uh, Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. It's a book of, of letters uh, written by uh, senior demon Screwtape to uh, his junior henchman Wormwood. It's been a long time since I've read it. I think that's correct. 
But Wormwood is, uh, is commissioned to, uh, to lead astray a professing believer, uh, to get him to renounce the faith. And if you read the Screwtape letters, one of the instructions that uh, Screwtape gives to Wormwood is make sure he is never able to dwell on the word of God. Uh, make, make sure that the seed of God's word, if we put it in terms of Luke chapter 8, make sure the seed of the word of God is never allowed to germinate in his heart, lest he be saved. You see, C.S. Lewis is talking about this very thing that we're looking at today, that, the, that our enemy is, is active, and he's, and he's prowling around, and he's seeking to snatch the word away from your hearts because he does not want you to trust in Jesus. And so beware of what is happening Beware of what is happening if you are listening to the word of God today and it means absolutely nothing to you. The door to the kingdom of God is open today. And Jesus stands and he welcomes all to come unto him and to find rest, to find forgiveness, to find salvation in him. And what is his word saying to us today? My friends, if you hear the word of God today, do not harden your hearts. Don't know if the door to the kingdom will be open tomorrow. But it's open today. And in this passage, Jesus is inviting us to look upon our hearts and ask him, am I receiving this word of salvation? Am I trusting in Christ my friends, do not harden your hearts. And Jesus not only talks about a hard soil, he also then goes on to talk about a second soil, a rocky soil. And I think I called this uh, the soil a, a, a rootless heart. And so in, uh, in verse 13, yes, verse 13, look at that verse with me. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing, fall away. And so Jesus this time is talking about uh, rocky soil. The, the, the bedrock is so close to the, the surface that there's no root system. The roots of this plant can only go a, a couple of inches deep. And so when the, when the sun comes out, this, this plant dries up, shrivels up, and dies. And so Jesus is saying, some hear the gospel and they do not respond. And then Jesus is saying, others hear the gospel and, and respond with joy and enthusiasm. But it's not conversion. Jesus is talking, I think, about a superficial heart that lacks real, deep, abiding trust in Christ. And so there is no real faith and no abiding joy that endures through trials and testing in this life. You see, Jesus is warning us that there will be some who respond to the word of God, who profess a kind of faith, but their profession is not in fact real. This person responds to the gospel with at least outward enthusiasm and excitement and, and joy, but, but not deep conviction of sin. This person is enthusiastic about 
Christianity or an experience they had, but, but not committed to long-term, sometimes painful discipleship. And this person is, is drawn to Christianity not because of who Jesus is, but because of, because of how he makes them feel. And so these people are not rooted or grounded in, in Jesus. They're rooted in the shallow soil of an experience. But my friends, what happens? What happens when a trial comes into your life and shakes you? What happens when testing comes? What happens when, on account of your commitment to Christ, persecution comes? Do you abandon the Lord Jesus? Do you forsake the faith? You see, Jesus is talking about a, a rootless, superficial heart, a heart that likes the benefits of Christianity, but is not, in fact, rooted deep down in the Lord Jesus Christ. I think this is a warning. It is a warning not to confuse outward displays of enthusiasm for Christ with deep faith grounded in Jesus. Now, certainly, certainly there is joy and there ought to be enthusiasm in the Christian life. There ought to be great enthusiasm in, in truly knowing Jesus. But it is a, an enthusiasm and a joy that lasts through pain. It is a joy and enthusiasm that lasts through trials and, and testing. And that we need to understand because it's a joy not rooted in an experience, but it's a joy rooted in the person and work of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. You know, so many people define their, their faith by an experience and, and they ground their Christian faith in the shallow soil of some kind of religious experience or feeling instead of grounding it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember when I went forward at the altar call. Remember when I made the profession of faith. Remember when I prayed the sinner's prayer. Remember when I went uh, forward at summer camp or whatever. Now, those, are all, those can all be good and true things, my friends. Let's be clear about that. But if we live the rest of our lives with no relationship to Jesus and, and his word, we must ask ourselves if we were ever truly grounded in Christ at all. You see, Christ doesn't want you to, to root your faith in an experience or in a feeling. He wants you to root your faith in the gospel. He wants you to ground your hope and your joy and your life in his finished work for you upon the cross. Because he alone is the one who can lead his people and sustain his people through trials and suffering. And so Jesus talks about a hardened heart, a rootless heart. And then thirdly, he talks about a worldly heart. In verse 14, look at that verse with me. Jesus says, And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And so this time the seed falls among weeds or among thorns, and, and they take over, they choke out the good plant. And this is, this is another way some people respond to the word of God. The seed of the word, in some sense, gets in and begins to produce fruit. But as it's, as it's growing, these, 
These worldly weeds grow up alongside of it and choke it out and snuff it to death. And Jesus names three of these, uh, these worldly weeds that stifle spiritual fruit. The first one he mentions are the, the cares of this world. Spiritual growth can be choked out by, a, by an undue preoccupation with the concerns of this life. You know, we could get so wrapped up in the things of this life that we neglect the care of our own souls. We spend our days preoccupied with, with our health, with our, with our careers, with our futures, with our families to the extent that we fail to cultivate uh, communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe Jesus says it's the riches of the world that is killing us. We chase after wealth. We, we want the job that will, that will pay big. We want our vacations. We want the car. We want the house. We want the security of riches. And, and these are not bad things in and of themselves, but they can become so important in our hearts that they begin to crowd out Jesus. When the desire for riches gets a hold of our hearts, it it chokes us to death. I think of the rich young ruler that we'll come to later in Luke's gospel. A man who who was wealthy in possessions, rich in possessions, man of status, had everything he needed. And Jesus saw that the deceitfulness of riches had a death grip on his heart. And so you remember what Jesus told him. Go and sell all that you have and and give it to the poor. And he could not do it. Why? Why couldn't he do it? Because the deceitfulness of riches had such a grip upon his heart that he had come to believe there was more joy in fleeting pleasures and fleeting riches than the eternal joy of knowing and following Christ. And it destroyed him. But Jesus goes on then to talk about a a third worldly weed. He also talks about the pleasures of this life. Now let's make sure we get this. He's not talking about good pleasure. He's not talking about the kind of pleasure God intends us as his creatures to enjoy here on this earth. He's talking about about excessive pleasure and worldly pleasure. He's talking about the the young man who spends years of his life looking at porn and then looks back upon his life and realizes that years of his life have been ruined and wasted. He's talking about the couple that lives for the weekend instead of the Lord's Day. He's talking about parents whose ambitions for their, their children and their success and their, their sports activities take such precedence that it begins to crowd out discipleship and worship and fellowship with other Christians. He's talking about people who see more pleasure in the world than the pleasure that we have in knowing and following Jesus. This is the kind of pleasure he's talking about. And my friends, this can be such a subtle thing. We know, 
you know, we know worshiping God and fellowshipping with God's people is, is vitally important for living the Christian life. But what happens to, to many people, almost unnoticeably, we can find ourselves gone from the means of grace more often than, than we're here. What's, what's happening there? Is it just an incidental thing? No, I don't think so. There's a spiritual battle going on in your heart, and the pleasures of this world are competing for supremacy in your heart. And Jesus is warning us to, to, to guard our hearts, because the pleasures of this world can choke out what matters most and, and keep us from being the followers of Jesus that he's calling us to be. So my friends, I make an application just thinking about this soil for a moment. Let's, let's tend our hearts and be on guard against the weeds of worldliness. Money, money can deceive us. You know, we want more and we never have enough and then we spend our lives in the tireless pursuit of it. The pursuit of pleasures tug at our hearts and while we, while we say Jesus reigns, often, isn't it true, often, it's actually pleasure, the desire for pleasure that's reigning in our hearts. And as a result, what happens when, when this, these weeds grow up in our lives and, and grow up in our hearts we don't become the, the good and, and faithful and fruitful servants that Jesus Christ is calling us to be. And so, dear brothers and sisters, let's, let's tend our hearts and let's make sure our hearts are devoted to Jesus. And then fourthly, Jesus not only talks about bad soils, he also talks about good soil. He tells us about a heart that is receptive and fruitful. Back in verse 8, while Jesus is telling the parable, he says, Some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. <clears throat> and then in verse 15, when he's explaining the parable, As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So when the, when the seed lands in this soil... It sinks in, it, it's received by the earth, and it, and it grows up, and there's an, a, there's an abundant yield. There's fruit, there's a crop. And so Jesus is saying that this heart is receptive, and in turn, this heart is fruitful. So my friends, what does it mean to have a, a receptive heart to the word of God? It, it means that we receive and, and we embrace the the good news about Jesus Christ. It means that when we, when we hear the guilt of our sin, the danger of our position before God, we don't, we don't try to cover it over, but instead we confess that sin and we find grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. A receptive heart repents of sin and turns to Jesus. A, a receptive heart receives the word of God with gratitude in all that God says, in all that he commands. And so what is God's word to us today as we, as we think about this passage together? As you hear his word, as the seed is sown, Jesus is saying, do not harden your hearts. Don't, 
don't trust in some experience. Don't trust in, in riches or fleeting pleasures. Instead, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and receive his word. Trust in his saving and life-transforming grace. And the wonderful encouragement we have here is that when we receive God's word and trust in Jesus, our lives are changed. There is an abundant crop. There, there is fruit, Jesus says. They are forgiven and they are changed. It's the truth. This is why I wanted us to read Psalm 1 for our Old Testament reading today. He whose delight is in the law of the Lord is like a tree planted by streams of water, yields its fruit in season, and its leaf never withers. When our, when our delight is in the word of God and our, and our trust is in Jesus, our lives will not remain the same. It produces the fruit of, of faith and hope and love. It, it produces the, the gospel fruit of, of faith and repentance and, and obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And as the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and puts it in our hearts and through the word of God works in us, what is the Holy Spirit doing? He is he's making us more like Jesus. And this is what it means to bear fruit. And so as we look at this parable, I, I hope we realize that we are, we are all in this parable in some way. As Jesus talks about these soils, uh, how are you responding to the word of God? Is your heart hard? Is it shallow? Is it distracted? Is it being choked out by riches and the pleasures of this world? Or is it a receptive heart that loves and trusts Jesus Christ? That's the question for us today. You know, friends, I know we do this. I've, I do it. When we, when we hear a sermon, we often evaluate it, don't we? We assess it. Well, we say, that was, that was a good sermon or that wasn't a very good sermon. And that's fine. But I think, I think what Jesus is saying here is something else goes on when the word of God is cast. First of all, his word evaluates us. And when the word of God is cast, our response to it is really revealing our response to Jesus. His word exposes our hearts, dear friends. And whether we are going to him and receiving him and trusting in him and believing on him and finding life in him or whether, whether we're doing something else. My friends, this passage calls us to receive the word of God, the word of salvation, the word of the gospel. And my prayer this week for us as a, as a congregation is that down to the last one, we would receive his word trust in Jesus and, and be a field that yields an abundant crop in honor and glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who has ears, let him hear. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you that in your kindness and in your grace, your word has come to us.
And we pray this morning that, uh, Lord, our hearts would receive your word and trust in Jesus and that we all, by faith, would enter into his kingdom and be his forevermore. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.